Hello and welcome to Football Avenue. This is the podcast where we take a look at all the biggest games that have been going on in the past week and voice our opinions on goals, players, and controversial referee calls. We are your hosts, Agustin and Rafa, and today's episode is all about the Champions League quarterfinals, starting off with PSG vs. Atalanta, moving into RB Leipzig versus Atletico de Madrid, then FC Bayern Munich versus FC Barcelona, and finally Manchester City versus Olympique Lyon. Now starting off with PSG versus Atalanta, Di Maria had not started because of an accumulation of yellow cards, and Verratti was out for injury. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for the Italian, he doesn't seem to be able to go on for the net for the rest of the Champions League campaign. Um, and PSG did qualify 2-1 to one against Atalanta. Uh, I think they deserved it. 63% of the possession for the Frenchmen, and they were they played a really good game. And honestly, this game finished 2-1, to one, but it could have ended up much, much more. Both teams missed a ton of opportunities and had lots of chances and couldn't seem to find the back of the net. Now, in the third minute, Neymar had what looked like an, a possible goal. And usually Neymar is one to really place the ball and score easily. However, in this occasion, he missed the net by quite a bit. Yeah, and you could see the Brazilian was was sad and and astonished to have missed that and all of the PSG players were surprised and shocked that he did um and it was it was a golden opportunity and he seemed to have a lot of those uh early in the game and Atalanta had some on their side of the pitch like I said it could have gone either way for both teams It it could have ended up as a very much higher scoreline now in the 26th minute, Mario Pasalic and Atalanta pull through 1-0 from inside of the box. It was a nice shot, really, but he was all alone inside of the box. Juan Bernat and Marquinhos seem to be crowding Zapata in the bo- uh, at the edge of the box and leaving Pasalic all alone, who received the ball, one touch, beautiful, beautiful top corner, and it was a great goal from him pulling Atalanta through 1-0. Now, even though PSG had 63% of possession, the game was actually tied pretty evenly, pretty balanced out. Uh, Atalanta played really well defensively. PSG didn't really, wasn't really able to uh, outrun them or outplay them. It was just a matter of try and get the ball to their striker, Neymar, or to Icardi, and kind of hope for the best. They weren't really trying anything, anything special. And I guess that's one of the main reasons that Atalanta pulled through so quickly. They played the ball steadily. They made the really good passes. And PSG just kind of kicked the ball up the field and hoped for the best. Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised that Atalanta scored early. We know they're a very attacking team with 108 goals in the Serie A, the most in the Italian league. And they're a very offensive team. Both both teams are very offensive. So it was interesting to see how they would go out and play. Atalanta seemed to like you said, want to dominate the ball, have more possession, and PSG wanted to use Neymar's pace to maybe build a counterattack. I didn't see much from Icardi. I was disappointed from the Argentinian. He had a one of his less less good games. Um, Neymar had an outstanding game. Some we, we saw him come to life a little bit, um, something we haven't seen as much since he got to PSG. And Atalanta, Atalanta really, in the first half, they showed that, they, that they're a Champions League quality team, that they aren't to be underestimated, and that they, um, that, they, that they could pull through against bigger teams like PSG. In the 60th minute, Mbappe came in for Paulo Sarabia, and I think that this was a very wise choice by the French manager. Now, uh, 
we had seen that Mbappe had been injured in a previous uh, friendly game. And we didn't really think that Mbappe was going to be able to make the comeback and come and play in the quarterfinals. However, he did pull through and he was able to uh, make a big impact on the game versus Atalanta. Yeah, I think uh, the PSG players saw that when Mbappe came in, he changed the dynamic of the game. They they were they were brought brought to life. Um, the young Frenchman really made an impact on the offensive game of PSG, um, causing trouble on that left hand side. Very pacey as he usually is, um, and I think Neymar had someone to rely on because Neymar seemed to be seemed to be very, very. He didn't seem to trust anybody else up top because he wanted he wanted to make sure that it went in and he only trusted himself in doing so. But when Mbappe came on, I think he he saw that there was somebody else that could that could you know help him out up top. Later in the seventy first minute, uh, to PSG fans' uh, shock, Kaylor Navas looked like he was going to be uh, helped off of the field due to an injury. Now. Keylor Navas, as we all know, is a top-notch goalkeeper. He played for Real Madrid uh, a couple seasons back, and he had made a bunch of really good saves earlier in the game, and he did have to be subbed off later on in the 79th minute for PSG's second goalkeeper, Sergio Rico. Now, this was later in the match, and all of a sudden, PSG were getting desperate. There were 10 minutes left in regulation time, and just as Keylor Navas comes off for Sergio Rico... Mauro Icardi comes off for Eric Chupomoting. Now, this didn't seem like a very, very big substitution at the time, but later in the game, it was just the difference because time passed by, PSG got more desperate, Atalanta seemed to seemed to be able to pull through, and in the 90th minute, Marquinhos gets a goal from a header. Neymar f uh, crosses it into the far post where the young center back is waiting, puts it in, one to one, one to one, Atalanta PSG. Now, at this point, we thought that the game was going into extra time. However, in the 90th plus three, Chupo Moting scores the game winning goal after Neymar's beautiful low cross and then into Mbappe, and then Mbappe passes it into the six yard box where Chupo Moting is waiting, and he scores in the 90th plus three minute, pulling PSG through to the semifinals. Yeah, talk about super subs. I mean, Mbappe comes on, makes an impact, Chupo Moting comes on, scores the winning goal for PSG. PSG 2 to 1, and the Frenchmen are going through to the semifinals. Now, the day later, Leipzig versus Atletico de Madrid. Uh, Atletico Madrid's uh, two players, Vrasalco and Correa, were both out be due to coronavirus cases. And, uh, I mean, it, it still looked like it was in Atletico Madrid's favor. However, as we all know, Leipzig pulls through in the end. Yeah, I can't help but think if a player like Angel Correa could have made a difference for the, for the Spaniards. We know he's a very top-notch player. It was... It was a very even game. Uh, both sides had great opportunities. Um, I think they, they both played really well. Uh, really, really interesting to see how the Germans went out to play without Timo Werner, who, who they heavily relied on. But they really didn't seem to need him, and I think, I think that just shows that they have other players and that they're not a force to be reckoned with. Now we all know that Diego Simeone likes to play the 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 the, the defensive side of yeah. of football, and 
this showed in the stats, uh, Leipzig had 58% of possession while Atletico had 42. And Leipzig had 628 passes, 85% of which were accurate. Uh, less fouls on Atletico's side uh, than I would have thought. They only had tw they only made 12 fouls, uh, while Leipzig made 21. Um, no red cards, three yellow cards for Leipzig, two for Atletico Madrid. Pretty clean game uh, on Atleti's side. Yeah, and offensively it was very even. Uh, ten shots to, for Leipzig to Atleti's nine, four which were on target for the Germans, and three which were on target for Madrid. And it was very close. The first half really um, like a ping-pong match, back and forth, back and forth from both sides offensive defensive um counterattacks from madrid uh rb leipzig went out there and and played their game as usual something i found very interesting was that their that rb leipzig's manager their manager um nagelsman is actually younger than both Lionel messi and cristiano ronaldo which just shows you like how age isn't a difference in this sport like a young coach can do well and Older players can also do well, and I think that shows um, in RB Leipzig's success and in Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi's success. Now, the first half was pretty balanced out. There, there were some pretty good chances for both sides. However, in the 50th minute of the second half, Dani Olmo scores a the first goal for Leipzig. Uh, we all know that John Oblak is probably one of the best if not the best uh goalkeeper uh right now and i mean uh it it it, it was quite a bit of a surprise that uh, a team like leipzig uh would would outscore atletico madrid I, I mean we didn't know that uh there was an unlucky goal uh towards the end of of the game but uh, I, I was kind of expecting a little bit more from Atletico de Madrid's defense, a little bit more from Jean Oblak. What yeah, do you think? yeah, and on that play, um, Dani Olmo was unmarked in the box. Jose Maria Jimenez was was on another man. He was on Yusuf Poulsen, and Savage was lost. I really don't think he he knew where his posts were. I don't think he knew where Dani Olmo was. And the young Spaniard who came in um, uh, in January for Leipzig did really well to finish it off past Jean Oblak. Now another super sub was Joao Felix, who came in in the 50th minute for Hector Herrera, and not not a little a little a couple of minutes went by, and um, there there was a penalty that Atlético Madrid wanted, and the referee didn't really give them to give it to them. But uh, just a couple of minutes later, in the 71st minute, Joao Felix goes down in the penalty box, and finally the referee awards a penalty, which Joao Felix confidently puts in and scores the goal yeah the young portuguese youngster uh scoring in lisboa at his home country and at this point i thought atletico madrid could pull it back i thought well they're a very defensive game uh diego simeno simeone is very experienced when it comes to these uh knockout stages and i thought maybe that they would outlast the the full 90 minutes and go into extra time maybe even penalties where they're very very expert uh, very experts in that but then in the 88th minute uh Tyler Adams the young Americans someone I really didn't expect to score he was he's uh very he played a very good game when he came on but Tyler Adams 
after after coming on in the 72nd in the 88th minute another late goal the second late goal in a row for for this quarterfinal matchup Tyler Adams 88th minute a very good shot from the edge of the box it does come off a deflection for from Savage Old Black is already diving can't change his his uh trajectory of his dive and it's two to one to the Germans which I gotta say is a very shocking result now going into the next game Bayern versus Barcelona this was probably the most exciting game of the week uh everyone kind of thought that it was going to be action-packed everyone thought that it would be a pretty even game everyone look everyone was looking forward to the game however in the fourth minute we start off with the first goal for Bayern Munich, Thomas Müller. Yeah, I think, uh, well, Messi, Messi said it himself. For Barcelona to play well, they have to have the attitude. We saw the attitude in the first half against Napoli uh, in their last game. In the second half, they didn't have that same attitude and, and dropped off a little. I thought in this match, they've come off a, a strong win against the Italian team. Maybe they... They could. They have all their players fit. fit. Busquets and Vidal came uh, came back from their suspensions. I thought Barcelona are really gonna give the German team a run for their money. But like you said, fourth minute, Thomas Muller gets it in the box. No, no, um, no defender goes and and attacks him, and he puts it in with his left foot past Ter Stegen, and the German goalkeeper can't do anything. Now, I think this is the point where Barcelona started to wake up or kind of realized that they needed to get their act together because yeah. three minutes later, uh, Jordi Alba is putting in a cross, a low cross into Luis Suarez like we've seen many times this season, and David Alaba scores a, might I say, beautiful <laughs> and amazing own goal, yeah. which isn't really seen. I mean, th that's the, the type of goal that David Alaba scored is one that you might see from a top-notch striker like Suarez yeah. but I mean this was something different I think he I think he maybe the Barcelona players paid him to score that kind of goal but I mean it was it was shocking to me to yeah. see that goal yeah and something we don't see from the Austrian that much we he's had a great season for uh, for Bayern Munich and he's played very well at that center back position which isn't his his preferred one but like you said it was a really nice finish and Neuer couldn't do anything to to put it to keep it out now like i said earlier this is where barcelona kind of started to wake up we we saw more attacks from barcelona you know more possession more passes and uh a couple times messi hit the the post semedo hit the post suarez and, had some opportunities yeah as well. and, and it looked like it looked like it was going to be a great game however in the 21st minute Bayern munich scores their second goal ivan perisic yeah and i gotta say semedo was lost on this play uh, Serge Gnabry's in at the edge of the box, cuts in a few steps into the box. Semelo goes and takes the man, even though Piquet is already on him. Semelo steps up to try to take the ball and and um, leaving Perisic all alone on the left side, who cuts in, no man on him, left foot puts it past Ter Stegen again. 26 minutes later, Serge Gnabry scores the third goal for Bayern Munich, and this is where Barcelona starts to show their lack of effort, lack of energy, and I think this is one of the reasons that they they let so many goals in, because they, they didn't have their energy going, they they kind of just let themselves go. Yeah, one thing I think Barca, Barca needs to... Um... To get their momentum going is goals. We both know both of these teams are very similar, very um, offensive. And I think one thing Barcelona needs is is goals to get in. 
to get into their rhythm. And I can't help but think if those early shots from Messi hitting the post, Semedo hitting the post, Suarez a few one-on-ones, I can't help but think if those had gone in, this game's dynamic may have changed a little bit. Now, four minutes after that third goal, Thomas Muller scores his second in the 31st minute to give Bayern Munich a three-goal lead. Now, this is the first time that Barcelona has let in four goals in the first half in the Champions League. It was, yeah, it was bad, very bad. And I can't really, it wasn't because they were, they had, because that Bayern Munich had better players, because really their players are very similar. You, you look at the team, Alfonso Davies, Jordi Alba, very similar, very offensive, fast, putting in crosses. Semedo and Kimmich, a little bit more defensively, but it can also get up top and, and make creative plays. Sergio Busquets and Thiago Alcantara, or Sergio Busquets and Lauren Goretzka, the uh the two more CDM type players. Thiago Alcantara, Frankie De Jong, more possessive type players. Clément Lenglet and David Alaba, the more intelligent center backs. Piquet Boateng, the stronger experience. Like their their team is so similar. Luis Suarez and Robert Lewandowski, the 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 pure number nine finisher. Their teams are very similar, and their their teams both have incredible, incredible ability and and just world class players. But but Barcelona were outperformed by Bayern Munich, and like you said, their attitude was just just wasn't there. They were they were absent in the game. In the forty sixth minute, Antoine Griezmann comes in for Sergio Roberto, which is uh, I I should I definitely think that Antoine Griezmann should have started over Sergio Roberto. I think. He really showed what he is made of in uh, in the game against Napoli, but Kike Setien thinks otherwise, and he's decided to bench him yet again. And in the 57th minute, Luis, sco- Luis Suarez scores a- another goal for Barcelona, giving them two. However, at this point, Barcelona is starting to think that they can't pull through. Yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of Barca fans got excited on this. 4-2. Two goals isn't that much of a difference, I would say. Um, I think Barcelona got excited. Maybe maybe if they had, had hyped themselves up a little bit more after this goal. Instead, six minutes later, Joshua Kimmich makes a beautiful run. Alfonso Davies has just an outstanding dribble past Nelson Semedo. Cuts in into the box. Piquet doesn't pick him up and he just Puts it into Kimmich, who is really unmarked inside of the box, putting it past Stegen, and now it's five-two for the Germans. Then, in the seventy-fifth minute, Bar- uh, Barcelona's own uh, own signing, Philippe Coutinho, who was loaned out to Bayern Munich, comes in for Serge Gnabry, and he 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 was a. A definitely, definitely a game changer. Yeah, yeah, he was. Fifteen he, minutes on the match, and he got two goals and an assist. His first, his first few plays, he he made an assist to Robert Lewandowski, making it six-two. And I think, I, I really, I'm sure a lot of Barca fans are are uh, might be nasty to him. Might think like think of him as a traitor, but I I give perks to him because he he wasn't doing his best at Barcelona. The fans didn't really seem to like him. He wasn't at his best, but then he goes to Bayern Munich. He's had a, a a pretty good season with the Germans, and then comes on against his former team and proves everybody wrong. He shows them that he is a world class player, and maybe they made a mistake in loaning him out because, really, I I like the way he played. And not only that, he showed respect because he scored two goals against Barcelona, but didn't celebrate. He shows 
really a, a professional player and a really good player for him. He assisted Lewandowski in the 82nd minute and then scored in the 85th and 89th to give Bayern Munich the 8-2 win over FC Barcelona. Yeah, and I'm sure this game really, really left a mark on this Barcelona team. Going, Gotta go back to the dressing room, change a few tactics. Um... Kike Setien already seems to to be sacked, and I, I don't think it's his fault, really. I don't think I don't think Kike Setien is that fault, but really when things like this happen, the first one goes always the manager. Um, but 8-2 for the Germans, and really a, a humiliating defeat to Barcelona. And now moving on to the final match of the quarterfinals, Man City versus Olympique Lyon. This game ended 3-1, and really, Olympique Lyon, a great team. Um, I'm sure a lot of people were expecting Man City to to have the advantage in this match because of because of the quality that they have and the kind of manager that Pep Guardiola is, but uh, the Frenchman proved everybody wrong. The Frenchman showed that that they have what it takes to go against super strong teams. And something interesting, Rafa, only one team that's left in these in this Champions League campaign has won the Champions League before and that is Bayern Munich. So the other three left, PSG, RB Leipzig and Olympique Lyon are looking to get their first ever Champions League title for uh for their club. Now Manchester City was dominating for most of the game. They had 72% of the possession, 637 passes, 86% of which were accurate and in the third minute Sterling had a beautiful run which could have resulted in a goal, however, uh, the defender gets his foot on it, and Marcel was able to clear the danger away. Now, later on in the 24th minute, Leon is uh, Leon pulls through. Uh, Cornet scores the goal. Now, this was this was an interesting play because uh, uh, Memphis Depay gets the ball, plays ball over to Tokoikambi, who um, controversially, lots of people were saying he was offsides. Goes to VAR. I personally. Didn't see him very offside. VAR didn't uh, didn't either. He receives the ball. Eric Garcia tries to poke it away from him and successfully does so. But Cornet with a very nice finish past Ederson, a very a beautiful curve to go around Eric Garcia and the Brazilian goalkeeper, making it one nil to the to the Frenchman and making it a very interesting game. Now I think that Manchester City was another team that lacked uh, effort, that lacked energy, which is pretty rare because uh, Pep Guardiola really knows how to get his team going. He he knows how how to how to how to how attack, to, yeah, how to how to attack. To, and, and how to have a good attitude for the game. Uh, exactly. We know we know that Olympic Lyon uh, have their style of play and they stuck to it. They stuck to their philosophy this entire match. They're more of a defensive team. Uh, with with pacey players so that they can break once they get the ball and and get past Man City's offensive offensive style of play. Um, so really the ball was mostly in Leon's half for a lot of the game with with some counterattacks from the French team to level out uh the level out the game. Finally, in the 69th minute, Kevin De Bruyne scores for Manchester City from. A Sterling assist. Yeah. Sterling is uh has shown what kind of player he is. He's a, a a dynamic player. He's a very useful player for Manchester City. A great signing, and yeah. I I think I think Man- Manchester City would have been lost without Sterling this game. Yeah, Usually it's sure. Kevin De Bruyne who who shows 
who controls the midfield, who controls most of the team. But I think this this time it was Sterling uh, who showed the leadership. My thoughts exactly. Uh, Raheem Sterling, who really the best the best player for Manchester City in that game. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, we usually see him have have control in that midfield, but I think he was lacking a bit of his bit of his uh, flair and his style of play in this game. I think. I don't know. I don't know if it got to his head or, or some pressure, but Raheem Sterling was really the best player for Manchester City. At this point, uh, the game was tied one to one, and I think Manchester City players really thought that they could that they could pull through. And in the seventy fifth minute, uh, Memphis Depay is subbed out for Moussa Dembele, and in the seventy ninth, another Beautiful. substitution. Dembele scores for Leon to pull through two to one. Only four minutes later, and it again talk about a super sub. If I had to pick one super sub, maybe of the entire Champions League campaign, it'd be this this French striker. Four minutes into the match, and he's and he he goes in and he gets a goal for them already. It was a a bad mis. It was really a mistake. Awar gets the ball at the edge of the box, and it's a good. A strong shot. Ederson can't catch it, so he slaps it away. And Eric Garcia didn't follow the rebound. Instead, it's the French striker, Mr. Moussa Dembele, who does and finishes it, making it 2-1. to one. And really, it just shows the kind of game that Olympic Lyon played. They don't have to have the ball too much, but they make use of their opportunities. 72% possession for Manchester City and only 28% for Olympic Lyon. Raheem Sterling it, did have a chance oh, to right. to to tie it two to two. Uh, it it looked like a clear goal. I, honestly, I was already celebrating. Yeah. And then I see the ball go over the bar, and I thought, "How is this possible?" Raheem Sterling is. I mean, like I said, he had an amazing game, and I thought <laughs> that a player like him would easily convert this into a goal. And and he 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 kicks it over, and in the eighty seventh minute. Again, Manchester City makes a mistake, and Moussa Dembele scores another goal, which potentially did earn him the man of the match. Yeah, um, I have to say everybody was shocked, you know, and when I say everybody, I mean everybody, including Olympic Lyon players. You can see on that play, Raheem Sterling was alone, and the goal was wide open for um, Lopez was, art, was marking his near post. Raheem Sterling was alone, and... Like you said, you were celebrating. Manchester City players were celebrating. The ball goes over the bar. And all of a sudden, Olympic Lyon players were celebrating. Because everybody was shocked that Raheem Sterling missed that. And I think it's really... You could see it in Pep Guardiola's, Pep Guardiola's reaction. Just the despair in the fact that he did miss that. Because it changed the game. Instead of it finishing 3-1 to one like it did, it could have gone 2-2 two to two and gone into extra time. Now this miss from Sterling actually did it did uh, result in the third goal. Yeah. It was a it was a uh, it was kick. a a goal kick uh, to the midfield. The mistake from the Manchester City defense and the third goal for Lyon. Now knocking, this, this knocking out Manchester City. Yeah, this goal was uh, really controversial because um, it was it was Tokwekambi who had uh, Rene Rene Adelaide who had the ball, and he let it go through. He was in a very offside position, and it was clear that he was. Moussa Dembele was not. Um, some were saying that with the new rule, this counts as, as being part of the play, just letting it run through. This counts as being part of the play because you you were in it. Um, VAR says no. 
some were saying that Moussa Dembele fouled Joao Cancelo on that left side. Again, VAR says no. 3-1. to one. And like I said, Olympic Lyon don't really need to have too many opportunities. They just need to have a few good ones, and they make use of that. Manchester City had 18 shots. Olympic Lyon had 7. Of these 18, 9, I mean 11, were not on target for Manchester City. Of the Lyon 7, only one of them was not on target. 6 on target for Olympic Lyon all out of 7 shots. It just shows the use that they make um, of their opportunities. Um, and uh, yeah, Manchester City, 3-1. to one. Uh, knocked out by Olympic Lyon, and that moves them, the French team, into the semifinals. And we have our two semifinal fixtures: RB Leipzig versus Paris Saint-Germain, and Olympic Lyon versus FC Bayern. Now this will be, this will be two great games. Uh, RB Leipzig has clearly shown what they're made of. They knocked out Atletico Madrid. Uh, the PSG Leipzig game will be uh, very fun to watch, and Lyon versus Bayern Munich. I think. This will be the most interesting one. Yeah. Uh, Lyon, I think, have proved have proven that they can beat big yeah, teams like Manchester City. That they're not like Juventus. Yeah, that they're, that they're not uh, they're not to be made fun of. They're exactly. they're meant to be respected, yeah, taken seriously, right? And um, th- this will be a great game. Uh, now for predictions, I think I think that Leipzig will beat PSG. Really. And if it hadn't been for the way that PSG had played against Atalanta, I, I would say that PSG would, would beat Leipzig. But uh, they, PSG was sloppy against Atalanta. I mean, they, they missed many golden opportunities and they made sloppy passes. They, they weren't really in control of the ball. They had possession, but they weren't, they, they weren't controlling most of, of, of their chances. And I think... Leipzig does have a very good chance of beating PSG. I and I gotta go against you, and I gotta say PSG um, for a few reasons. One, Angel Di Maria is back from his suspension. Kylian Mbappe is more more fit. Um, he already played his game. He's had time, a little bit of time to recover. I think they're they've got a lot of a stronger team. Uh, Marco Verratti is out injured, so he won't be playing. Um, that might make a bit of an impact, but I think something that RB Leipzig is, is lacking is the offensive threat that they had in Timo Werner, which now is replaced by Yusuf Posen, who I didn't see too much from in the Atletico and Madrid game, but I don't think RB Leipzig have enough offensive firepower to get past a defense like PSG. Now for the Lyon versus Bayern Munich, I'm going to make another bold prediction. Probably a stupid prediction, but I'm going to say Lyon. And this is due to the fact that they have shown that they can beat Manchester City. They can beat Juventus. They can play really well defensively, and they can play really well on the counterattack. I'm going to say that Lyon is going to beat Bayern Munich, even if it's just by one goal. You know, Or if it's by penalties, I'm going with Lyon. You know, I think I get what you're saying, because Lyon, all, all, um, I mean, Manchester City... Bayern and Barca are all very similar teams. All have been managed by Pep Guardiola, and I think they still have a bit of that Pep Guardiola uh, dynamic in them. Bayern Munich obviously always play very um, offensively, possession-wise, and and look to get the ball forward and use their wingers to make in crosses and, and make smart plays. And I think 
Manchester City did the exact same thing um, with with uh, winger, good wingers and a good striker. And I think, like you said, if Leon played the way they played against Manchester City, um, they they could they could get past the, the Bayern Munich team. But that being said, I think the Germans are gonna pull through if they can beat a team like Barcelona eight to two. Rafa, I think a team like Olympic Lyon can only do so much. Um, such a t like it's really a super team from Bayern Munich, and I think I think they'll go into the final, and I think they'll win. Now that is all for us from us today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, this quarterfinal podcast. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.